This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. Special guest, Curtis Maynard, super agent in the house. And she's Sarah Timon. And we've got Nick behind the camera. Little guest camera work this week. And every week, we are streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. And we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. Big news in Philadelphia this week around real estate. This is probably the biggest news we've had locally, I would say, since we started the show. So if you've been living under a rock, you haven't been listening, the Philadelphia 76ers, they want to open a new downtown arena in 2031 in the Fashion District. I don't call it the Fashion District, by the way. I want to get some input on that in a second. At 10th and Market. And people are up in arms. Like This is a very polarizing topic. People either love it or they hate it. What do you guys think about all this? Sarah, why don't we start with you? Because you've lived in the city. You've been down there. What's your take on the downtown arena, especially in that part of the city? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting. I do like I like it um, in other cities that I've been to when they have the stadiums, you know, downtown. But what's interesting about Philly, I kind of like the stadium setup that they have going on where like all of the different sporting events are all in that complex in South Philly. Um, so, I mean, I'm not, like, too upset either way for whichever way it ends up going. I can see, like, pros and cons to each. Um, but cities that I've been to that have their stadiums right in the middle of everything, that is fun when you, go to, when you go to an event or you go to a game and you can just be right in the middle of everything. They were going to go to Penn's Landing. And that, it was Penn's Landing. This was a couple years ago. Um, no, well, so the Phillies were going to go oh, okay. in the 90s, um, right at 12th and Spring Garden. That, that was, and that got shot down. Yep. Because a lot of the Chinatown neighborhood community said, hey, don't move here. I used to live right by here, so I've got a very interesting perspective I'll share with you shortly. But, yeah, they've tried this before, and it just you know, unfortunately it just got shot down. And the Sixers, they wanted to go to Penn's Landing a couple years ago, and there were some logistical issues there getting in and out. I think I, I would say Penn's Landing is a lot tougher because yeah, there's no public tra- transportation over there. Um, I think the closest stop is like that L stop. It's in like on like Fifth Street or something. I don't even. I've been there once, so I don't. I don't I, it's it's that that's part of the challenge. So they have tried to develop this area of the city before, um, but this that was at this point like thirty some years ago. Yeah, see, I'm going that far back. I remember. <laughs> but I remember I, I that. We that was like, about. oh, that they got shot down for that. No, I think it's exciting. Any type of new development for me is is very exciting. But I'm with Sarah, though. I do like all the complexes together. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much energy if there's a couple games going on at one time. It's like just right. a lot, and it's you know just energizing. There's a lot of other um, events that happen in those in the complexes too, like a lot of 5K runs and fundraisers and things like that. So I don't know how this could affect those type of peripheral events, but um, any type of new development to me is very exciting. So Curtis, what do you think? You've, you've lived here, what, less than a year, about a year right now? It's been just over a year now. Um, like, I haven't spent a lot of time down in that complex area, but it's nice down there. I like the idea of being able to take a train to a game. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. get on a train, ride down, get out, go to a restaurant down there, uh, go get a few drinks, go check out the game, take the train back. That sounds like a good good time to me. <laughs> I, I'm with you on this, um, and I, I'm actually going to disagree with you guys a little bit. For the football games, go have it somewhere where you got to drive to, and there's a big parking lot. Right. Um, have you? So, have you ever been to a Sixers game? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you? Okay. I just want to get some 
Um, have you ever been to a basketball game, right? Yeah, I've been to a basketball So I think Sixers games are a little different. Um, and I would argue that Phillies games are also a little different, too. And hockey, I don't really care, so we don't need to talk about that. Um, I like the idea of getting somewhere quickly because if you're taking – I've taken public transportation down from where I live out on the main line to these stadiums. It's like 45 to 50 minutes. Yeah. I, you can get there faster in an Uber – now, the cost is less for sure, but I'm looking for convenience. I don't, you know, I got kids at home. I'm not going out a lot. So I'll either drive if I'm taking my kids or if I'm going with my wife and we're not driving. And I like the idea of taking the train to your point. This is a very central hub for public transportation. You got Patco that's right there. The bus station's right there. You got Market East Station. So you can take regional rail. So this really caters to that. And that part of the city, in my view, like this used to be the gallery. I don't call it the fashion district. It's the gallery, right? What do you think about that part of the city? It's kind of like a, a weird dead zone. Like, I feel like not much goes on there. So it would, it would kind of, like, bring some life to that whole, that whole area. I think that's the biggest plus here. Because I, I used to live down at, uh, like, Broad and Spring Garden. So right around there where they were going to build the Philly Stadium. Literally right there. And we'd walk down the market. And, like, you got that kind of, like, little strip of restaurants on, like, 12th Street. Like, Elvez is down there and that sort of stuff. But then there's nothing until you get to, like, 4th. Like maybe six, like Budokan's in there. There's, there's, uh, what's the Morimoto place? You know what I'm talking about. Um, what's it called? Totally know. spacing here. It's called Morimoto. It is called Morimoto. <laughs> yes, that's right. There you go. <laughs> Spaced yeah. out. I, I just, from here. lucky guess. <laughs> that is, and they have like a Ross down there and like Marshalls and like right. these horrible yeah. stores. Not horrible, but not what you would expect in the downtown Mecca of the fifth or sixth largest city in the country. So, in my view, I think this is huge. Now, the other problem you're having here is there's all these people complaining about parking, right? There are 29 different parking lots within a half mile that are under capacity right now. So this they're going to figure all that stuff out. I, I think there's a couple things at play here. And then I want to hear what you guys think about, like, how this is going to affect the communities down there. Uh, one, this is all privately funded. So a lot of these stadiums, it's been like we got to get a subsidy from the state or we've got to get the city to pay for it. Well, the owners of the Sixers, they're billionaires. They're smart people. They have developed a lot of places. So the fact that they're doing this all themselves, I think it's a huge win for the city because Philadelphia's already riddled with debt as it is. And on top of that, this might not be their final plan. Their final plan may be to build something else or own a building somewhere instead of rent it, which is what they do right now at Wells Fargo. I think they're, I mean, I, these guys are way smarter than most people. So this may not be what's going to end up happening. If they did this, I would love it because I've seen, like, Nashville. Like, the stadiums are, like, right downtown, football and hockey. Like, it's right there on um, Broadway, which is, like, the main drag in Nashville. Um, D.C., the, the Capitals and the Verizon Center and the, and the, uh, the not the Bullets, the, uh, the Wizards. They used to be the Bullets. Um, they're right downtown. Madison Square Garden, obviously. I think we're kind of not the norm with football. Uh, football is usually outside, but with, like, basketball, baseball, and, and hockey. I'm, Philadelphia's not the norm having the complex. So, I like – the idea of being downtown because I like, you know, you want to go out to dinner beforehand. Mm -hmm. If you want to do that now, you got to go to Xfinity Live. Right. Like, right. what are you going to get? A cheesesteak? Yeah. Right. There's the one kind of nice restaurant there, mm -hmm. but otherwise it's kind of a pain in the ass. So from someone that comes from the suburbs, I really like this. If I was living in the city, I'd probably care less. Yeah. So your perspective may change soon, Sarah. Then, then, because uh, you, you, what, did you get on the Broad Street line and just kind of go down to games before? Or? I'd Uber. Uber, yeah. So yeah. how long we, was the Uber ride? From my place before. 10 minutes yeah i do that all day but yeah. when it's a half hour oh yeah you know I, I and think that's like with 
like, because usually if you're going to a game, there's heavier traffic, you know, but because I mean, distance wise, not far at all. And now I do think with, you are right that for like Sixers games, tailgating is different. Like it's not People as aren't in the parking thing. lot. Right. Because I mean, I think that for your Eagles games and your Phillies games, like tailgating is a big part of the experience there. And people mm-hmm. go, you know, many, many hours before to, to set up and, and to be out there. So, but you don't really see that for, for the Sixers games. So, yeah, it would give a good opportunity for different restaurants to get some more action and um, kind of take advantage of some of that space that's really could be a great location, but there's just not much going on there. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a weird area. And it could draw people into shopping, things like that. Mm-hmm. Things to do before and after games, yeah. which I think is great. But the public transportation aspect of it is really key. And like Tom said about the parking lots that are underutilized at this point, that's great. They'll be utilized. Mm-hmm. But if a lot of people can take public transportation right there, yeah. it you know they hopefully won't be over capacity. Um, because go anytime I drive into the city, it's like just I don't like it. It's disaster for me. So if I can take the train in, which I love mm-hmm. and have done that a lot, um, it, that's definitely key. Right now, going into the stadiums, I you know we have to drive. Yeah. So and it is a pain. You, you know, a couple of ways in and out, and you always always always, always stuck on either seventy six or ninety five or the parking so. lot. <laughs> yeah. Or in the parking lot. Yeah. yeah. Just getting out of the yeah. parking lot sometimes. So is I think a this is exciting. Cool thing. Yeah. I, I think this is going to be huge for the city, and if they actually do this, and and this has been something they've been trying to do for a while. Like this isn't the first proposal. So the the question that's come up is that it sounds like we're all kind of like this is awesome, right? I mean that that's kind of the and you know I'll be, I'll be like fifty when this uh, when this finally gets built, so it'll be it'll be great. Um, maybe I'll, I don't even know if I'll be going to games then, but that's another story. Uh, I probably oh I hope so. Hopefully I'll go with my son because he'll be nineteen. It'll be a little different than taking a nine year old right now. So. Um, I think this is going to be huge. What do you think about the neighborhoods around there? Because this is always – I've seen any development that happens. The neighbors get up in arms, the people that live there. So what's their reaction going to be? Or how do you think it's going to positively or negatively affect the neighborhood around there? Because you're right by Chinatown. You're in the gallery, the fashion district, whatever you want to call it. Um, how do you think those people are going to feel about this? Well, I think it depends on how it's presented to them. You know, it, it has to be – they have to be part of the process, really, because you don't want them to to be totally against it, because then you're going to have real problems. But if it's presented to them in in the positive way that it can be for them and their home values, um, then maybe they'll be more receptive to it. But I think that's how you know people are usually resistant to change. Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't like change, and they. You know, oh, yeah. this major construction is coming into their town. They don't want it. And new people, strange people out, you know, people that don't belong there, whatever. Um, it's scary. Yeah. The unknown is always scary for folks. So I think that the more that they can involve the community into the process, the more well-received it will be. Yeah, I mean, the community always, anytime this happens, from what I've seen, the people around are always scared that it's going to affect them in a negative way. But, um, you know, something I was thinking about, that where it is right now is a mall, right? Like, there's something going on with malls, if everyone knows, they're all dying. So what's going to happen in nine years if that mall is completely empty? I'd be more worried about that than an arena going in, helping bring all kinds of people to town. So... Well, I think this mall is already having issues. Yeah, it's been for a long Who here time. Who has been to the gallery before? I, it's yeah. You've been to the gallery? Yeah. 
You ever go to? No. I was to the gallery when it was Congratulations to both of you for not going. <laughs> but I mean, I would pass through there when getting off the station. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you're there for some of the hospitals that are in town, you know, you would go to that station and pass through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that mall has been having, if you can call it a mall, I don't, I, it's an indoor shopping place. Um, that has always, it's been having issues probably for the past 15 years, 10, mm-hmm. 15 years. So it's, it's not like it's, um, you a know, thriving, a real thriving, yeah. you know, people, it's a, not like a real shopping hub at this point. Right. So it's only going down. Yeah. So it definitely needs some type of burst of... Uh, right. No, I think that's a really good point. Like, if it's not this, it has to be something else, or mm-hmm. that's just going to be... It's going to get worse It's going to get bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that undergoing construction for if you live right there in that in that area, I mean, that's never, like, fun for noise and just for when you look out your window when you just see that going on. But, you know, if you can get past that, I agree with, like, if it's presented well... And if you live right around there and you're a big Sixers fan, Ooh. you're going to be pretty psyched. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I think it'll kind of come down to how they present it and um, how they're able to kind of plead their case. That's a great point you bring up, Curtis, because look at the malls around here. Axton Mall just got sold. Granite Run Mall, I, that's like mixed-use housing and like stuff right now. And the reason this is happening, in my view, is that the South Philadelphia Stadium District, I think they, they missed because if they would have built like a mini city down there, think like Main Street at Exton or like uh, King of Prussia. What's it called up there? Where, uh, Town yeah, Town Center. They would have built something like that down there. Like there's no – you get to go to Xfinity or the live casino. I, I don't like casinos personally. I'm not like a big fan of those places. I think that turns like, – they're very – it's like you either like casinos or you don't like casinos. There's yeah. not enough down there to attract you to go for the day or – Let's say it's like a 7 o'clock game and you want to go out beforehand. I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. So there, there was an – I always thought there would be like some sort of like mini town that was built down there, and it never happened because – I mean, they tried. They tried FDR Park. They tried some other stuff with the city, but it constantly gets shot, shot down. So I've been to like these downtown uh, stadiums, especially for the NBA. Like it's kind of a different vibe a little bit. Like it's more – the games are shorter, number one. Mm-hmm. You're talking about tailgating. The games are longer for football and baseball, right. like way longer. Yeah. You're from Missouri. I mean, like, that probably happens a lot for, like, Cardinals games, right? Like, they just go all day? Yeah. The people go down downtown where the stadium is. They go to all the restaurants. There's a, a big place where you can go watch everything. Mm-hmm. You, you don't even actually have to go in the game. There's a big projector screen across the street where you can go yeah. watch it. Oh, and cool. uh, it's, it's pretty nice. I've, I've, so my buddy got married in St. Louis, and we stayed at the hotel right there, which is, like, the only place everyone stays. Like, it's, it's, it's like, right by the arch, and then the stadium's right there. The Hilton or something. Yeah, there's a Hilton right there, like, right across from the arch. So that, that, that had, like, that downtown city atmosphere because the St. Louis is a little bit of a different city where it's not, like, I don't think it's as big as Philadelphia. There's not the skyscrapers. But they built the city for people to come to. They don't really have that in, in Philadelphia. So um, now you mentioned the Phillies, right? So the reason that stadium got kind of pushed down was because of the backlash from Chinatown residents. And I know that's the biggest concern right now because – uh, there was someone um, that had uh, come out and said that part of the Chinatown um, sort of neighborhood association, they're worried about Chinatown being reduced just to like a like the gate and a couple restaurants. But I don't think that would really affect Chinatown too much because Chinatown's more like Tenth and Vine and like up up a little further north before the stadium district here. So what I did is I looked up because I think the question is, is this going to help the city or not? So 
Um, I looked up other studies around what has happened when they build these stadiums downtown and what the economic impact is. So they've done it in a couple places. The Sacramento Kings, right? That's kind of like a second-tier city. They needed like an economic engine. So that uh, employment downtown grew 38% since they built their stadium down there. Um, and Philadelphia could use an economic shot, shot in the arm right now, for sure. So um, in just the first year, the arena hosted 1.6 million guests uh, who spent more than $71 million. So that – and I, I would argue it's going to be even more in Philadelphia because Sacramento is like – I mean, not, not anything bad about Sacramento, but it's like a, it's like a second or third tier city, right? I mean, it's not somewhere people are like, oh, I'm going to go visit Sacramento. Let's go. Like, it's not something that happens. Yeah. Um, and it also caused more development to happen around there, which I think you could maybe redevelop some of these neighborhoods, especially like North Chinatown, where I used to live, because there's like nothing going on in that part of the city. Like, it was very weird. Like, we would, from Broad Street until about 4th, whether north or south of Spring Garden, there's really like not a whole lot that goes on. There's some tough areas around there. There's still a lot of, like, dangerous places to go. So I hope this would kind of push some of that out and help some development happen. When the Nationals built their stadium in, in uh, D.C., it was in a not great part of D.C., and now they're building all these condo buildings. They're selling. Like it, 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 I think this is going to be a huge benefit to, to the city here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think? I totally agree, and especially if it's not – they're not getting any credit, tax credits from yeah. the city. Yeah. So they're not using any any public money. It's all private funded, which is even better. Yeah. Because that puts the, the whole risk on the, develop, mm-hmm. the, the developers. So um, I like that fact even more. Last question for you guys here. Do you think the public transportation system can handle this? <laughs> well, they've got um, <laughs> 10 years to work on it. <laughs> or No, not quite 10 years. Um, we'll call it 10 years. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to figure some things out. I mean, I think it was kind of funny. Some of the react, the reactions were for public transportation in Philly right now were like, you know, just that's a scary thing to do at the moment. But, yeah. um, you know, they've got some time to figure it out. And I think they'll, they'll have to put some thought into that. <laughs> but yeah. I think they would be able to get it there and have it be um, streamlined and manageable by the time everything actually was up and running. Yeah, I would think in 10 years they could figure something out. <laughs> I've heard people say, like, taking the L train is kind of, you know, hit or miss. You may see some stuff on there. You use the word dangerous. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've heard some bad things about that. I've never personally ridden on it. But, uh, you know, that's a lot a long time to figure it out and figure out how they're going to do everything, all the logistics. So I I think they could do it. So I I think there's going to be a test happening here with public transportation because in 2026, FIFA is coming to Philadelphia for the World Cup. And it's the – it's the 250th anniversary of the country, and there's going to be a lot. Uh, the Phillies are going to have the All Star Game. Apparently, the we're going to have the NBA All Star Game and the NHL All Star Game all that year. Right. Philadelphia's getting everything because it's the 250th anniversary of the country. There's going to be a lot of people coming to town, and I remember when they had the NBA All Star Game in 2001, I guess it was, um, and it was like the city almost couldn't handle it. It was a big deal, and it was right when the Wells Fargo Center opened. It was called the Core States Center at the time, I believe. That was before the FU Center. I remember there was FSU Center for a while. Uh, First Union. Um, it's, it's real life, Curtis. Welcome to yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah. So I, I think that's going to be a great test, and they're going to have to ramp up for that. So I, I do agree with you, but it's got to get a lot better. Like, I would not take the subway right now, to be yeah. super clear. I would take regional rail. I would take regional rail into the city. I wouldn't have a problem with that. 
And I get out of the station pretty quickly because it was someone shot that got shot at like uh, suburban station a couple weeks ago. Right. No, I feel like on the news in the last couple weeks, every week there was something. There was either like someone was killed, raped, stabbed, or like there has been a lot of stuff going on in, in the, the subways. Subway, in the subways. Yeah. Yeah. So they're gonna have to figure that out regardless. <laughs> well, I know there's already uh, a lot of investment going on on the regional rail where I am. Mm-hmm. That R, what is the R4 line or something? Well, it's the R5 and now R5. it's the Paley Thorndale. Same one yeah. I take. Yes, exactly. So, and that's been great. I mean, they, they're really investing in, in beefing up a lot of the uh, local stations. So I think that's part of it. You know, that's going to be part of um, this whole process here. But yeah, they're going to have to figure it out. If they want this to be a success, mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have to figure it out. And since it's private funded, that the pressure is on the city and the regional rail systems to um, and the subway systems to to elevate themselves and, mm-hmm. and rise above and, and make this uh, a successful proposition here. So I'll leave with this. As a suburban resident, I would much rather go downtown than go down to South Philly. Like I'm thinking like you want to go out and have a nice dinner, catch the game, right? Go out before like it's, it's so much more exciting to me than I'm going to go to Xfinity have some drinks. It'll be fun. Don't get me wrong. See the Sixers. I'm going to go home and sit in an Uber ride for 45 minutes. Like I, I think this is going to really be great for the city, and it's going to get more people coming back to the city because the past two years, there's been a lot of restaurant tours that have moved to the suburbs. you got Mark Vetri, Nick Elmy. These are like master chefs that have brought their restaurants to Bryn Mawr and Bala. I think there's going to be more of this could really revitalize a part of the city where there's some opportunity as well. So I'm a big fan of this. Like, I, and I, I don't think they should move other stadiums. I like the Eagles where they are. That's like a tailgating sort of atmosphere. That's a whole, like, all-day thing. Phillies, I, w- I would agree with you, Sarah, as well. That's like kind of – it's like more like an outdoor game. It's kind of like – we talked about the Cardinals. And who cares about the Flyers? So, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this. Sounds like we're all in agreement here, which is great. So, great for the city. Everyone stop complaining. This is going to be a good thing. On that note, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about home prices falling for the fifth straight month. Um, excuse me, not home prices, number of home sales falling for the fifth straight month. And most Americans think now is the time to actually buy a property, which is a big change of pace. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com. 
gmail.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. He's Curtis Maynard. She's Sarah Timon, and we've got Nick behind the camera, and we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, and we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So, local housing news. Now, we got some national housing news that I want to talk about. Uh, there was an article that came out on Inman last week, and this is news we already had, that it's the fifth straight month that we have seen home sales fall, and now all of a sudden, a majority of Americans think now is a good time to buy a home. So let me give you the statistics, and I want to hear what everyone has to say about this. So um, in June, according to data released last week, the sale of existing homes ticked down 5.4% between May and June and went down 14.2% from a year ago, according to the National Association of Realtors. Stacy, what do you make of all this? Well, I think that people are figuring out that the market is going to change. The interest rates aren't going to be historically low like they have been. Mm -hmm. And the rents are not going to go down. The rents have been increasing. So if you've been sitting on the sidelines just watching the market because, you know, you're like, well, the interest rates are low. That's fine. I can jump in any time. But, you know, with multiple offer situations and all these other things going on, I don't want to overpay. I don't want to do this, that and the other what it would take to secure a home and now people are realizing hey the interest rates are going up you know it's not they're not going to go back down anytime soon and the the situation as far as the inventory is not going to change anytime soon so i have to make a change because my rent's going up and that's not coming down so you you really don't you know you're paying somebody else's mortgage somebody else's insurance somebody else's taxes when you're paying rent so why not you know, listen to what your friends or your family members have been talking about, all the equity that they've been enjoying in their home over the past number of years. And you just have to bite, you know, take the leap of faith and jump into the housing market and secure your home. So I think it's I think this is great. I think people are finally realizing, you know, what's going on and, and they're taking note and they're like, you know, I have to I have to take this chance and I have to get my house. Yeah, I think there's also there have been people that have been on the fence for a while and are kind of coming to terms with, you know, they're never there's not going to be a a perfect ideal time um, to get in there. And um, now I've I've been on the fence for a while and I've wasted a couple years and I don't think I can stay in my current situation for a couple more years to see how this plays out. Um, if you look at the cost benefit for waiting, it's not playing out in your favor to to just hoping things turn around and i would say even with this um you know decline in sales we're still that hasn't built the inventory up to um a balanced market so you're still we're at what like now basically like a three-month supply um is kind of where it came up to well in a balanced market you're at six months so you still while you are having a bit more of an opportunity right now in this market i think to get some of your different inspections to have a couple different contingencies in place um there are it still isn't balanced so you do still need to be prepared to go in 
um, you know, putting your best foot forward. Oh, yeah. I mean, personally, I think it's a great time to buy a house right now. There's a little bit less competition out there. There are lots of houses out there still. You know, these people are right that it's a good time to buy. Um, I've been hearing, you know, for years that there's going to be some kind of crash or correction, and it just hasn't happened. Right. Um, we don't expect to see it happen anytime soon. Basically, basically everyone who comes up with the numbers that like how much homes are going to increase in value, they say it's still going to go up in value. So, you know, if you've been renting, you've been waiting for something to change, an opportunity, now's a great time. Well, and it's funny you say that, Curtis, because NAR came out with some statistics and they have seen nearly a 30% increase in the homes available for sale since January. And that's nationally. We've seen inventory tick up here as well. Now, our market relative to others is not like we don't see these like massive like up and down swings, a little more stable, a little more, uh, you know, kind of your, your average market. And if you look at our price point here compared to the national housing price index, so if 100 is the average price of a home that sells in the, in the U.S., we're at like 101.2. So we're kind of right there. What also is important to note, uh, and this comes from Realorder.com, as rising inflation and mortgage rates bring housing demand back from the frenzy of 2021, and that's a really good word. Inventory is going to grow double digits, that's their prediction, and offer buyers a better than expected chance to find a home. And there's an interesting survey that came out, and I want to get your feedback on this as well. And this was some uh, information that dropped from Ben Verde over at Inman uh, last week. And there was a survey that was done, It was, uh, and they looked at homeowners and renters. So it was half and half. And a majority of people in the survey, 56%, think right now is a great time to buy a home. And that was conducted by the mortgage lender lower. And what they went on to say of that 50, within the 56%, 47% say they plan to buy a home within the next year. And 74% of those people that plan to buy a home said it would be their first home. Um, so we're seeing that these people that are waiting, to your point, I think they kind of realized, like, maybe I shouldn't have waited. Or maybe they just weren't ready. That's what everyone, like, they like to think, oh, they're out thinking the market. The people that are the most motivated, it doesn't matter what the market's doing, they're going to buy a house, they're going to move, and they're going to do what's best for their household, similar to what three of us have done in the past 24 months, just moving because we were going to move, right? And, and, you know, we're all in that kind of, like, young kids, growing family sort of phase or job relocation. That's the people that are buying right now. So knowing that we're seeing median prices go down, you mentioned a bubble. I haven't seen any prices drop anywhere. We looked at this in a lot of different parts of the country do we see this continuing through the rest of the year? What does this mean for the people that are out there? Curtis, what do you think? Yeah, so basically, uh, I, don't, I don't see prices going down anytime soon. What we do know is that interest rates are still going to go up. So if you don't take this opportunity now, and let's say prices even stay the same, you're going to pay a lot more for your, for your house over the long term, and uh, you're, you're going to miss the boat. So I'd say you should make a move. And I think the other thing, too, is we have to remember people have been kind of shut down and bottled up for the past couple of years, right? So not me, but the rest of <laughs> Not me, yes, right, yeah. right. But there's a lot of folks that have been. I'm oh, kidding. well, let's just wait. You know, well, things are still going on beyond our control. Um, so I think people realize, hey, we got to get on with our lives. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I want to get. Can you please say that again? <laughs> we got to get on with our lives. So it's like, 
maybe people want to get married. Maybe they want to start a family. Maybe they want to, you know, stop renting. Maybe they want to start building their generational wealth by investing in real estate. People are done sitting on the sidelines and, and waiting for things to happen to them. They're going to make things happen for themselves. So I think that's probably a lot that's going on, too. You know, the, the young people are realizing, you know, maybe they want their own space. Maybe they want a little yard. Everybody's got dogs. It's a dog's world. So they want their dogs to have their own space, too, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. I totally get. And I love that. Um, so I think that's a lot of this that's happening, too. People are realizing that it's not there's never a perfect time. Mm -hmm. Like Sarah said, there's never a perfect time for anything. And if you wait for that, you're er, you miss like, everything. You're going to miss everything. Life is right. just going to pass you by. So people are willing to take the risk now and jump in. And I think that there's, if you talk to people, um, I feel like there should be a survey, and there probably is one out there. <laughs> but for people who went ahead, took the leap, and got into their new house, and then let's say interest rates dipped a tiny bit, or some other home did come up that they potentially would have been interested in. I think for a majority of people, once you get into that next home, one, you're not like, you're at that point probably not watching interest rates every day. Or you're right. not, you know, when you're in it, you're looking at all of these details, you're seeing everything that's coming up on the market, everything that's coming soon. And once you're in it, then unless if you're still in the industry, you know, that yes. kind of yeah. falls to the back point. of your mind. Yeah. But like once you're in your new place, it just feels great <laughs> to like yeah. have that piece done and to have like taken action and moved on and you know done what you needed to do. And let's say that you are somebody who got in and maybe your interest rates could be better, you can refinance down the line. Like I think you have to think big picture of like what is more important to me? Like weighing every single number and every single option and then potentially missing out or mm -hmm moving on and then you always have options down the line if, if something changes. That is very well said because think about how long it takes you to actually get settled in a home. The move doesn't end the day you move in, right? It's not even it's not even close. Like you have to buy furniture. You get rid of stuff you don't want anymore. You have to get like the place in the right condition. You have you know kind of see, figure things out a little bit. I mean, the three of us have all moved in the past 24 months, right? Like, my, I, my house is no near the way I want it to be. Like, it's not even close. And I don't, I don't even care. I'm just happy I'm not moving and packing stuff anymore, and I know where everything is. And, like, think of, that's what a lot of people are going through right now. When you get in that new home, there's relief. Like, that stress of selling and buying is over. And there's a value to that that I think a lot of people are short-sighted on. Because I know folks and clients of mine, they've looked for homes for, like, a year, a year and a half. That, that's got to be horrible. I mean, I would not want to be like, it's tough. On, forget the real estate agent side. No. I would not want to go through that. No way. Yeah, it, it, it'd be terrible. And then there's other people. I know people who have been moving every year, every other year because their rent went up. Uh, and see. just like imagine not having to do that. Oh. Like, oh, my rent's going up 500 bucks a month. I have to move now. You're not going to have to do that if the you bought a house. The stress of that. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine that. There's definitely like yeah. there is a value, even if you can't put a dollar amount on it, but that comes from, you know, being in your own place yes. and it being the right fit. And if it costs a little and budgets are very important, don't get me wrong, you yep. need to stick within what you can do. But you also sometimes as you as you get into this, you have to also look at lifestyle versus like how much do you want to put into the home? And for everybody that can be different. There are and there's no right answer there, right? Like some people want to make sure that they get to travel every year and go out to every, you know, new restaurant and 
do all of those experiences and other people are going to put more into the house and if there is like a little bit of a period there where you have to give up a little bit of one thing in the short term um, in order to save up and you know have that down payment or lower your monthly uh, cost down the line so that eventually you can do that again you have to figure out if it's worth it to you for maybe a year there to you know kind of tighten the purse strings a little bit and invest in that for you in the future you can't have it both ways right, right. I, I you, you said this perfectly because some people they want to oh, i want the low rate but i don't want to get into a bidding war yeah. or i want a low rate but when low rates are there it, it, no matter what happens the demand's going to increase so or the flip side is i don't want to be pushed into a into a decision and i don't want to pay a high rate well you can't have it that way either because usually when rates go up demand changes a little bit and or I want to live on this exclusive street in this neighborhood. There's always going to be demand for those properties because those homes just don't turn over. So I, I, you said that really well. And what I think people don't value enough in this world is their time. And because moving to pain in the butt, you said moving every year. I, I'd be done. Like I remember when I was in college moving out, like that was horrible. And I, I lived in like a room. Like it wasn't even, it wasn't even like a house, right? right. Yeah. I had a room. I didn't even have furniture. Like a lot of times the furniture would come with the place right. and it was still horrible. Like that would be my least favorite day because it takes you all day to get settled and when you're moving every year renting and you're it keeps going up and up and up the the rental price because of inflation well that's two or three days out of your year you're losing where you could go do something else take a vacation go earn money right like that's what people don't get so i love everything you guys said there here's the home price forecasts so let's just kind of these get revised every month so the average of the seven forecasts that a lot of people pay attention to is 8.5% year-over-year appreciation in 2022. This is from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, CoreLogic, the Home Price Expectation Survey, the National Association of Realtors, Ivy Zellman, and MBA, the Mortgage Bankers Association. That's the average, and it ranges anywhere from 2.7 up to 10.8%. So like you said, Curtis, these people get paid to make predictions. They're usually not wrong. So I don't, the people that say, I don't believe you, that's just an opinion. To me, they're just not serious about making a move. And I think that's what real estate agents need to be careful about. So with the sales declining, I'm going to throw a stat out at you guys here. And then I want to get your reaction on how real estate agents should kind of pivot here in this, in this sort of climate. There are about 1.5 million realtors in the country right now. You guys have heard this. 648,000 of those people have not sold a home yet this year because sales are down, right? We're seeing sales are declining. What do real estate agents need to be looking at right now to determine how to find the people that want to transact and how to keep their business moving forward? Because I see a huge opportunity and almost a land grab for people that know how to navigate this market. Because there's, there's over a third haven't even sold a house yet, and it's the middle of July. I mean, I, I'd, be, I'd be getting foreclosed on, getting a new job, putting my house up for sale. What should agents be focusing on the second half of the year knowing where there's less home selling, Prices are going up, and some of the buyers just don't believe it. Sarah, I think you, you need think? to. I think you need to have the conversations with your buyers early on, and really vet to find out are they motivated. You know, what is their their reason for the move? Um, you know, what is their motivation? Well, that is, are you motivated? Um, <laughs> find out. You know, timelines, finances. Like, ask them all, which are all things you should have been. You know that you need to do regardless, but um, find out who is actually serious and who is just like, oh, if the conditions were perfect and everything was great, then I would like 
maybe throw in a lowball offer. If you know? it's the perfect house. Yeah. If it's the perfect house. Yeah. So you do want to make sure, like, you need to talk to a lot of people. You need to have the, you know, accurate local data for what is going on so that when you do get those serious people, um, you can actually help them move through the process and hopefully at, like, as quick of a pace as they need. Um, and that for the people who are kind of objection, 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 you can present them with the data of like, well, this is what's going on. So if now isn't the time for you, like, that's fine. But like, this is what's happening. Um, so that you're not just, you know, running in circles for people that aren't going to transact. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I think uh, being able to present, like, here's what's happening. Here's why it's happening. And then giving them the uh, confidence to mm -hmm. make a decision right. is like the most important thing. Because there's all kinds of people out there and you see them all the time. They're on YouTube. They're, you know, their friend's uncle told them that something bad's going to happen. Oh yeah. And then suddenly they're like afraid to make a move. Mm -hmm. So being able to have those conversations with them mm -hmm. is the, the most important thing right now. Right. So you have to know, you have to be the knowledge broker. So you have to know your market, your local market. You have to be able to convey that information to folks so that they feel confident and comfortable. But it is all about motivation mm -hmm. because I think that that's where a lot of agents might go wrong. <laughs> They're just mm -hmm. constantly working with the same people hoping hoping that they'll transact yeah, and where it will never transact. Mm -hmm. So um, I can't believe that if the agents, that many agents haven't sold a home already this year, they're not gonna be selling a home at all this year. Right. So to me, that I just find that very fascinating. Um, but I, I would also be curious to know how many of them were actively trying or yes. like, or, or is, is a large number like of that, that just people that have held on and maintained their license, but really, I mean, why would you do it? I don't know. But well, like, it could be like uh, what you were saying about what somebody's aunt or uncle yeah. that's going to throw the wrench into the deal because they are an agent and you shouldn't be go you should never mm -hmm. waive inspections they're mm -hmm. probably those agents mm -hmm. or the hundred thousand people that got their license in the past 12 months that's a big increase so i mean it's not all of them obviously we've have agents that have gotten their licenses and and have done really well at our team but there's others that just have no guidance so they think i'm gonna have a flexible schedule i get to make my own hours right. this is easy and you know th th there's that mindset that's out there too so I, I, I there's probably a combination of a couple things combination of all that but i really think you have to get back to basics and and provide the best customer service that you possibly can to your clients you know you want to help guide them the best possible way that you can through the process because that's what you're here for you know yeah. we're here for them um so i think that you know giving them the information that they need uh, going through the process so that they understand the mm -hmm. full process because a lot of people have no clue and that's fine but that's again why we're here you know yeah it's not our decision it's we're helping them through this process we're helping them make the best decision that they can right and I think a lot of it is fear-based when people you know can't put forward that offer that will get them the house or you know they're what if it well what if this happens what if that happens what if what if well kind of getting them down to like well what if you don't do anything and you don't put in any offers and you don't put in any winning offers and like are you okay with your current situation like what does that look like so right. kind of getting them to see big picture and not just what if you know all of these things that are out of your control happen but also like what if you don't do anything to move forward in this process like how does that look for you yep goes for the seller side too. I mean, what if you stay somewhere and you can't take care of the house anymore and it falls into disrepair? Or what if you stay somewhere you hate living? Or what if 
you don't move out and something happens to your health. Like some, there's, I mean, or you, you, you know, like you want to move closer to kids, but you don't. I mean, there, there's inaction is probably the worst thing to do in, in my view. And Stacy, you said something here and then Curtis, we'll go to you real quick and we'll take a quick break is that you said motivation is the most important. So we, we came out, I sent a video out to you guys last night about like our recession power rules because real estate is not going to go into a recession, but the country may, right? The number one is motivation matters. If you're not working motivated people, you're just wasting your time. And that's the most valuable asset that's out there. So I, I love that that's what you're, you're talking about, Stace. Curtis, you want to wrap this up here? Yeah, I mean, motivation's definitely important. When I hear someone say to me, I'm, if the perfect house comes along, I immediately think <laughs> I'm never selling this person a house because there's never a perfect house. Uh, it just doesn't True. exist unless right. you build it yourself. And then even then there will be something it's still wrong. not perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, happens all the time. So, uh, you know, hundred percent agree. So that's how, that's what you need to know when it comes to this change in the market, what's happening both as a consumer as and an agent. So we're going to come back, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk about good friend, super agent team member, Curtis Maynard moving from another marketplace and what that's like because a lot of people think, and I would argue this is a limiting belief, that just because I'm selling real estate here, I can't do it somewhere else, and you've proven them wrong. So this is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. You shouldn't have to deal with all the red tape when getting your mortgage from a big or online bank. At Mortgage America, we have access to big bank money, but with the personalized and detailed service of a local bank. We are here in your community and ready to serve with fast settlements, low down payment options, and first-time homebuyer programs. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. For more information, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. Mortgage America is Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. All right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and he's Curtis Maynard. She's Stacy Mitchell, and we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we are streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Make sure to subscribe on the channels, put your notifications on. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So we've got Curtis Maynard here. Amazing agent. He's been kicking butt ever since we got started working together. And Curtis moved here from another market. And I would argue a very different part of the country at the same time. So, Curtis, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about kind of your past 12, 14 months, the transition, and just give, give some people some perspective what it's like kind of moving from another market into a new one and still selling real estate. Yeah, so I moved from like I was in St. Peter's, Missouri, just outside of St. Louis, uh, selling houses there for a couple of years. And um, my wife's work changed. We ended up moving to, to Philly. So uh, had about 60 days notice. It was crazy. I sold my house, bought a house, 
moved and then got to get my license out here and and it's been it's been a, a ride for sure <laughs> so think about all the stress involved with that like first of all you had 60 days to sell and buy yeah. did you see the home that you bought before you bought it i didn't i ah. didn't get to as i i came to town yeah it was it was kind of crazy luck would have it my brother-in-law was in conshohocken for some kind of event oh wow this house uh you know didn't sell the first weekend I called, called my agent and I said, hey, let's go take a look at it. Let me know what you think. And I sent my brother-in-law over there, met him, put an offer in that night, got it under contract, and uh, got super lucky. It was, wow. it was oh, that's great. that's awesome. Yeah. It's always better to be lucky than good. And I would argue that you probably also like knew a little bit more about what you were doing. Did that give you some like clarity or comfort in, in making that kind of decision? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, in, when I was in St. Louis, I helped a guy by a dozen houses without ever seeing them. I would send them videos, do all that stuff. So when it came time for me to do that, I was like, well, I helped someone else do this. Right. Yeah. I, I'm a lot more comfortable <laughs> with it now. Very uh, cool. For sure. So you moved here. Now, I, I mean, I think when a lot of agents move out of market, like I think that we, we had an agent on our team that did really well with us. She was selling 60 homes a year and now she's doing mortgages. She wasn't quite comfortable selling in another market. So what led you down that path? How did you feel good about getting into another market where, I mean, did you know a lot of people out here? Like kind of give some perspective because these are all the limiting beliefs people have when they move. Yeah. So I had never been to this part of <laughs> Pennsylvania. I drove through it once, um, but never been here. Didn't know anybody. It was uh, pretty scary to be honest. Like, you know, am I going to end up in a, a place where I want to be? Um, I, Luck would have it. A guy I know referred me to Tom and said, hey, you got to talk to this guy when you get there. Great decision. It's one of the best moves I've ever made. Uh, it, it's been great so far. Thank you, Frank. I think it's, uh, he, he connected as well. That, I, I totally agree with that. Um, so what, what kind of adjustments did you have to make moving from one market to another selling real estate? Because there's a lot of agents that are like, I can't move. I can't leave because I have this business here. You didn't have a choice. You were just moving. Yeah. And so I think it's a different, obviously different situation. But what were some of the limiting beliefs and what do you know now a year later? Because I think this is really helpful for a lot of people watching. Well, you know, everyone's going to go through saying, like, I don't know anyone there. I'm not going to be able to sell as many houses as I, I am right now. Um, but what you do is you find a good referral partner, like somebody you trust there. You hand over your clients, get them to sell some houses, hopefully. Um, that'll carry you through for a little bit. And then hopefully you have a couple closings still before you hit the road. <laughs> and then you get there and you got to kind of put your head down and, and uh, make phone calls. It's really, it's, it took, you know, a little bit, but, you know, just working at it every day, you'll get there. Putting the work in. Yeah. <laughs> when I think that one of the things that would be easy to get nervous about is how am I supposed to sell houses to people in an area that I'm not from and I don't know, right? But like yeah. you learn it and it's not like you're just going in and blindly being like, oh yeah, no, that's a great area. Like definitely do it. Like you joined a team, <laughs> yeah. you like, you know, you're, you have resources that you can go to, to, you know, say, all right, they want this, this and this, like what general area should I be looking in? Like, I don't think that not being from here or not living here a long time has to mean that you can't help them get to the right spot. Absolutely. You know, I think I've called all three of you at least once asking some kind of question or about something that I had no idea about. 
I just say, hey, look, I, I'm not 100% sure right now. I'm going to find out the information, yeah. give you the best possible answer, and get back to you. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the key right there. I mean, I've lived in the Philly area for over 10 years now, but and especially like prior to being in real estate, I mean, I didn't know all of the ins and outs of all of the different um, suburbs and, and areas out here. And even now, I mean, if it's if it's somewhere that I'm not all the time, reach out to the team and you can you can get answers and you can still help guide that person without just like already knowing, you know. Do you still have clients um, at your previous location that you that you talk to and are trying to help? There's still a couple of people out there that are looking, I think, for a house still. These are the perfect situation people. I don't know if that'll ever come to fruition. Or, I don't know. But you've uh, been talking to him still in ten years. Yeah. yeah. But um, but no, I, I'm not dealing with uh, anything out there at the, at the current time. So you interviewed a couple different places, um, and I know I, obviously we had a great connection with with Frank, who um, we met through the Tom Ferry Network, which is you know great great connections all, all the way around. What were you looking for? Because you have a different perspective than, let's say, a new agent coming in or even someone that's maybe making a change from one brokerage to another. You were coming in cold but knew enough about real estate to know what, what to look for. So what were the things that were important to you that obviously led to you having some success and being able to close transactions at a pretty regular rate at this point? Yeah, so the most important thing for me was finding a place where I was going to get you know some form of leads sent to me. Uh, you know, not ha not knowing anybody makes it pretty hard to get like sphere deals or people you know mm -hmm. buying a house because you don't know anybody. So you got to find somewhere where you're going to be able to get that. Um, then also, I wanted to find a place where I liked the really liked the people that I was going to be around. Came here, met some of the team. Uh, it was awesome. Great office. I'm looking for you know all of the the things that. <laughs> Whole you guys, we have all here. the things. <laughs> all, the <laughs> all the things. It's <laughs> awesome. I yeah. guess, yeah. yeah. But who, uh, who, who doesn't want that? Yeah. You know. So I think that's great. Yeah. So, but leads, support when you need it. There's nothing worse than like being able to like have get get someone who wants to write an offer, and you have no idea what you need to do, and mm -hmm. you can't get anyone on the phone. So mm -hmm. that was another yeah. another huge thing, yeah. for sure. That so, is. go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's like so important to be able to get somebody on the phone at any time. And it's typically like, you know, on the weekend, mm -hmm. after hours, yeah. you know, that you have these questions and there's always somebody that you can find on our team that will be able to support. And it's usually after you like accidentally let it slip out to your client, like, oh, I can get these answers for you right, right. away. And then you like call <laughs> yeah. like, you're like, oh my God, nobody's answering. And then it's like panic is setting yeah. in because like you see time clicking by and you're just like, no. <laughs> so yeah, being able to reach yeah. out to different people is so huge. Mm -hmm. so, so looking back on it, I mean, obviously you moved your family here, you've got kids, like yeah. that's pretty stressful for anybody. Um, so. How do you feel 14 months later? Like, I mean, like, I mean, things have probably shaped up. You kind of know where your kids are going to school. You started making, like, I mean, it's not just you getting integrated, but it's your whole family. And I think that's what people lose sight of. Oh, yeah. You know, so 14 months later, I feel way better about my <laughs> life. Um, I, like, the, the stress of moving and then having, like, a time crunch. You have to be somewhere, on, you know, at a certain date and not having childcare, not having... Mm. Not, you know, not knowing how you're going to do anything is kind of, uh, it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right, 100% stressful. Um, and now it's like, it's nice to be 
you know, in a in a routine, you got everything going on. It's a uh, it's hundred times better than I was a year ago for sure. I would argue you have a very positive attitude too that most people don't. Like, I mean, you, like you, I mean, I, I know you well enough now that like you can take things as they come. You kind of look. I mean, you, you know, having that outlook I think goes a long way because you're thrown into the hurricane there. I mean, and it's not just you you're worried about. You got wife, kids. You know, she's starting a, like so. Her, her job, how she got relocated. Talk to us a little bit about that real quick. We got about a minute left. Like, was it like just, hey, you're moving here? Like, it was no choice or how'd that go? Yeah, so she had applied for a couple of different positions through the, the where she works. She works for the public health service. Mm-hmm. There was an opportunity in uh, New Mexico and then Philly. And she got both of them. And then we had to decide where we were going to go. We have family kind of like six, seven hours away. So we're like, let's go to Philly. And uh, we thought we were going to have like a few months they're like, hey, you got to be there in two. And uh, it, it, was, it was pretty rough. Oh, I have a quick question for you. Um, so now I don't really know. I've never really been to St. Louis. But I feel like Philly has a reputation for being kind of like a rude city. And like, it does, you yes. Know, do you feel that it is? or No. Everyone here has been so nice. It's, yeah. it's, it's exactly the opposite of what everyone uh, yeah. told me to expect. Like I have, I have a, a friend who's like, Rocky's his favorite movie of all time, and he like, he's like, but he's like, listen, I'm never going to Philly, ever. Because yeah, I don't notice it being like a rude or a rough city, but there are different times where if you go to some other cities where everybody's super friendly, you do, you're kind of like, why are they like smiling and saying hi to me? Like, you know, like what? I would argue that's like a Northeast thing. I mean, New York is very similar. Um, Boston is the same way. And I, I think what happens is the sports fans are a bunch of jerks. But they are everywhere. Yeah. Like, people get murdered at other stadiums. They never talk about that. But here, you know, someone, like, spills a beer on somebody. Right. Yeah. It's national news. Right. So I think that's the biggest problem more than anything else. But that doesn't happen when you go to Phillies games most of the time. So uh, very cool. Well, Curtis, we are grateful to have you. If you want to follow Curtis, get in touch with him. He's on Instagram. It's at Curtis with a K underscore Maynard, M-A-Y-N-A-R-D, another underscore um, you can follow Sarah. She's on Instagram as well. It's at Ty underscore Ty Time. Stacy's at the number two Mitchco. And you can follow me at Tom Tool 3RD at Tom Tool 3rd. Curtis, thanks for coming on, man. Great stuff. Like, I think we, I speak for everyone here. We love having you on the team. And it's going to get better and better in Philadelphia. I think you made a good move moving from St. Louis personally. That's just me. So. You want to stream? We stream live every week Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group, and we'll be back next week on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.